What is up, guys? We got Brandon Reed today. I am not going to give him any introduction. I'll let him do that all himself so we can get started right away. All right, yeah. Ta- oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> get going, get going. All right, you can go. Introduce right. yourself, Brandon. All right, I'm Brandon Reed. I uh, wrestled at Lindsey Wilson College, uh, three-time NAI national champion, and uh, basically an entrepreneur now. That's it. So, Brandon, I got you on here because I am immersed in the wrestling and grappling world with all things pain to performance. So mm-hmm. when it comes to rehab or just straight performance, whatever it is, I love all that stuff for wrestlers and grapplers. You are obviously a huge part of wrestling and grappling from, you know, obviously your background is huge, but also now you're very, very big into grappling. Your instructionals and everything on that side goes extremely mm-hmm. far. Yep. I got you on here, honestly, because I love your mindset when it comes to this combination. Yeah. Everything is basic and long-term from a mindset <laughs> standpoint. Yeah. And that was very 100%. intriguing to me, so I started following you, and I started liking your stuff. The, uh, but I do think a main thing that I was getting questions a lot about on my side was the transition and combination of high school versus college wrestling. Mm. And then, of course, the transition of wrestling to BJJ on both sides. So I will let you take the reins. Let's start with just wrestling, and let's start high school versus college, even looking through the different ranks of a high school or the different levels of a high school or different levels of a college wrestler. You've mm. been on all of them. So I want to yeah. get your take on on the biggest differences between high school and college. Yeah, of course. Uh Clearly, there's a ton of differences between high school and college. Uh, the most obvious one is like the maturity of like the physical maturity of the like the people that you wrestle against. Um, of course, in high school, uh, you could either be wrestling against a ninth grader or you could be wrestling against uh, you know a senior. So uh, the disparity of like who you're wrestling, like you can either be wrestling basically a kid or you can be wrestling like a grown man. Um, that that's clearly for me the big the biggest difference. Um, and then funny enough, I think. Like the sh- lots of high schoolers lack any type of strength and conditioning program, whereas most college wrestlers, at least I would hope, are doing some type of strength and conditioning. Um, I mean, if at the NAI level they're doing it, I would guess D1 to D3, they're also most schools have some type of um, strength and conditioning. And then uh, lastly, for anyone that's like a pure wrestler, is the top and bottom game. Like, you know, being good on top was not something that was as important. Uh, when I was in high school, whereas like in college, being good on top meant a lot more. You have riding time, uh, and then being good on bottom is extremely huge. Um, just because, as anyone knows, you know, even at the lower levels of college wrestling, like people are really freaking good on top, and and turning means a lot more in college than it does in high school. So, yeah, those things: maturity, strength and conditioning, uh, and you know, the top and bottom game are are probably the three big things for me. Um, yeah. With with top and bottom, it's also a game of like you're, you can only score so many points in college. You're not going to yeah. blow open a match and go back and forth as much as you would in high school. So no the opportunities to score, if you're sitting on bottom, you don't have an opportunity to get takedowns and score points. So that's also another huge thing that I've seen is that if you can just hold a guy down, you stop him from you stop his offense completely. So that's yeah. a huge you know part that I've seen. Yeah, one hundred percent. Unless you're like Spencer Lee and like you're extremely like uh, good at just bar tilting everyone, um, and there's not like very many people like that. It's very it's it's harder to score on top for sure in college, like way harder. But likewise, like I said, it's it's a lot harder to uh, get off the of bottom. And I, I think one of the bad things sometimes about college wrestling is riding time because it incentivizes a lot of stalling on top versus like incentivizing turning. But uh, that's that's just like a, a opinion I have that might be a little controversial. So, what do you think would be the better way to go about that? Because um, I, I, I think it's great. Because right. to me, I see top as a position that if you're riding somebody, that takes so much work, and you mm-hmm. should get you should get a point for that. You know, yeah. even if you, if think about how hard it is to ride a guy without turning, yeah. <laughs> it still is it right. Is. So, to me, but I'd love to hear more of your thoughts on that. So. Yeah, it's like, uh, 
Okay, of course, I don't think writing time is necessarily a bad thing. I think that writing time needs to be... Mm, I think there's too much incentive to ride and not enough incentive to turn. And I feel like if you get that riding time point and you're riding a guy for two minutes with no actual turn, uh, I think stall calls should come a little bit faster than what they do. Uh, because for the most part, if I, I mean, even in college, I played the game, I would get my riding time and then I would kind of act like I'm turning the guy. I might grab a wrist and then go to the left and, you know, maybe jump to the right and make sure I'm not riding his hips. But, uh, it's a very easy way to stall, um, Again, like I said, I, I utilize riding time a lot, clearly. Um, top was one of my best positions. But there's some boring matches where the guy, all it is, is is riding. It's just purely riding, and then nothing's happening. And then there's no stall calls because you. it's very easy to play the ref. You know, jump left yeah. or right, grab a wrist, act like you're putting on a half. And then you're like, oh, like I'm doing something. But realistically, <laughs> you're not. So it uh, creates a lot of boring matches, in my opinion. And obviously... It's a lot harder to turn people than, you know, I'm making it sound, but uh, that's just an extreme opinion. Uh, I, I I think it's great. Um, I definitely understand what you mean because it happens all the time where the bottom guy will get banged for stalling mm. when he's doing a lot of work and the top yeah. guy's kind of just riding parallel and, and sitting there. Oh, yeah. Um, what, so what were your biggest struggles transitioning from high school to college? Was that your biggest thing too, the mm. top and bottom game? easily i i felt like i was pretty good on my feet i wrestled freestyle my whole life um so i was pretty freaking i thought i was pretty good on my feet placed the far away a couple times but my issue was definitely <laughs> like when i would go against uh like really good top riders especially leg riders like uh funny enough like there's a lot of leg riders at heavyweight now um and when i got into college my first year there was like a couple guys who like rode me out and beat me purely off of leg riding you know or or just being really good at getting my hands heavy on top so i'd say like from my first year of college to like my second year of college like that summer in between was almost exclusively focused on like getting off of bottom um obviously we clearly worked on takedowns and stuff too but like the big major focus was like you know getting into power position trying to get up and escape as soon as possible uh because you know like we said if if you can't escape even if the guy doesn't turn you, they're going to end up beating you by either stalling you out on top or, yeah, just riding. So definitely bottom. Yeah, and bottom, for me, I was always someone who wrestled uh, offensively to, as soon as the match started. Mm -hmm. So if I did make a mistake on my feet or something, bottom was my worst part by far. So a mistake yeah. in the first 15 seconds, I'm taken down, now I'm ridden out. Mm. We didn't really even get to see what would happen on our feet. I made a yeah. mistake. We didn't get a restart, and that was always yeah. my biggest problem: is that I would be taken down. And I, I didn't really get to try my offense out. <clears throat> what was what was your high school career like before going to college? And and then I do want to talk about why NAIA or why the college you chose. Yeah, for sure. So uh, I actually started wrestling when I was thirteen. So like that year after eighth grade, like the summer after eighth grade. So not high school, but like not middle school. It's kind of weird. Uh, but I, basically I started freshman year, um, 13 to So you 14. started in the summer? Yeah, I started in the summer. Wow. So it was funny because, uh, our school, my school, Eric high school, they would have their football tryouts then this in the summer. So they'd have guys come out and do it. So I went out cause I was like, I want to try a sport. I used to play soccer and I was like, I'm going to try to play football now. Uh, cause I was a goalie and I was getting big and I was like, okay, I'm no longer going to play soccer. I'm way too big for this sport now. Uh, yeah. and so I went to go try football and then funny enough, uh, just during the trials during the summer, uh, I practiced like one day. And so these trials were like a week. So, cause there's so many kids and, uh, I practiced for one day. And then for all the other days, all the, co the coach just had me sit on a bench and watch the tryouts. Uh, and so to be honest, I was pretty pissed off about it. And I was like, okay, you know, whatever. I was a kid. So I was probably a little bit immature, but I was like, they don't think I'm good enough to do this. You know, I'm a little, I'm a, I was a chubby kid too. And I was like, okay, I'm going to quit now. And I told the defensive coordinator that, and he happened to be funny enough, the wrestling coach. Okay. So the de defensive coordinator was the wrestling coach. And on that same day that I told him I was going to quit, he was going to go do the wrestling conditioning right after the football tryout practice. So I was like, they're like about an hour apart. Um, and he was like, do you want to come try to do wrestling? And I was like, sure. Why not? Whatever. Uh, and then I went and, you know, it's all she wrote from there. I had fun and I kept going. So after that, I ended up placing at state twice. Um, 
So my first year, obviously it sucked. Everybody's first year sucks. And then I ended up being a state runner up the next year. Um, then I got ended up getting third, got upset, sad days. Um, but then I ended up going to Fargo. Like, so after my junior year, I basically, I moved and then I became ineligible for to wrestle during the high school season because in Kentucky, if you move uh, near the season and there's like not like a substantial reason or whatever, they'll they'll disqualify you from competition. And so I moved, wasn't allowed to wrestle the high school state tournament. So instead, I like shifted my focus towards Fargo because I was like, I want to go to college and Fargo, people place in Fargo. Colleges want you. So I trained all like. The whole year, basically freestyle and Greco. I ended up going to Fargo. I ended up placing seventh in freestyle and then fourth in Greco. And then I was like, okay, great. Like, this is it. And then I actually ended up going to Flow Nationals like a couple months before that and placing fourth. Mm-hmm. But Flow Nationals is not that tough. It's not like Fargo. So it was like, yeah, I placed fourth. No one cared. And then, yeah, mm-hmm. ended up placing at Fargo a couple times. And I was like, yeah, I'm a senior. Now I got to pick a college. And there was only yeah. a couple months, uh, which yeah, that that leads into the why did I choose the NAI instead of Division One? Um, right. It was the the biggest thing was I wasn't being recruited, so I end up. So there was literally only a few months before college started and my commitment to a school. So it was like, all but right. Even as so, so you were a uh, state runner up as a sophomore, third yeah. in the state as a junior. Yeah, you're not getting recruited at this point by you know, a bunch of schools? No, I, I think it's just because I was, uh, like, a, maybe maybe it's because I was at 220, and that's, like, a it's like a weird weight class. So they were, mm-hmm. like, uh eh, like, there's, I don't I don't know. Like, no one was, like, hyperly interested in me at the time and, until Fargo. And then when I, after I placed a Fargo, I had a ton of coaches hitting me up. Um, and so I looked at a couple of schools, uh, you know, University of Wisconsin, Kent State, uh, Ohio, uh, yeah. But then those are the D1 schools. But then I had um, like Notre Dame College D2 hit me up. And I was like, whoa, like I love Joey Davis. He was like one of my favorite wrestlers to watch. He was a D2 kid. Uh, and then there was Lindsey Wilson in Campbellsville, which were rival schools. So that, so I had a, a couple D1, like one D2, and then mm-hmm. a couple of NAI. I visited the schools, um, talked to the coaches, practices with the teams, uh, and to be honest, the D1 schools basically didn't give me any money. They were like, uh, you're good, and you placed at Fargo, but, like, you haven't really proven yourself yet to mm-hmm. be good enough to be here. Like, you're good enough, like, we want you here, but you're not, like, one of our, like, you know, blue-chip recruits. And these weren't right. even great, great D1 schools, you know? So it was just like, <laughs> you guys just told me I'm not, like... Uh, so, I, to be and, honest, I didn't, I didn't... Was that kind of a turnoff for you in itself? It was yeah, I know. just just not being you know you're you're that guy you're, you're yeah. a Fargo placer especially yeah. in whatever whatever small sample size you're working with just of course your club yeah. your state whatever it is yeah but then you go to a big college and it's like you're just another run of the run of the mill yeah guy. yeah one hundred percent especially because I'm from Kentucky I'm not from like Ohio or Pennsylvania or California you know so yeah. I'm so I'm like a I'm from a state that's not notorious for good wrestling. Um, even though I placed at Fargo, I feel like they, they kind of put more weight on the fact that I didn't win state. Maybe they didn't, maybe I didn't, you know, everyone's thinking different. And of course they have a ton of recruits, you know, so I get it to be honest, but, uh, yeah, like some of those D1 schools were a bit condescending and I was just mm-hmm. like, my personality didn't match with it. And the money that they offered was basically walk-on scholarships. And so that was the big thing is I come from like a single mother home. So, you know, mm-hmm. very, very poor. And I was like, okay, if I go to Kent State, for example, I'm going to owe, by the time I graduate, I'm going to owe like $50,000, you know, University of Wisconsin, same thing, like any, like Ohio, same thing. So I go to these schools, they give me no money. Maybe I get lucky. Maybe I work my butt off and I become like an All-American one of of those years. And then I get a raised scholarship. But by the time I graduate, I'm still going to have all that debt, you know. And uh, as you know, and as I know, it's like you could be a D1 All-American and you don't know how to make money with your, your accolades after college. Like people lack business, you know, uh, just like any type of business mindset whatsoever. So it's like I didn't know that I was going to be like an entrepreneur and that maybe that would help. Uh, but basically it was a big money thing. And then yeah. on top of like the kind of condescending thing. And then Notre Dame. 
So after that, after I kind of flushed out those, it was Notre Dame, Campbellsville, and Lindsey Wilson College. I loved mm-hmm. all three schools. I, I really did. Uh, but for me, I ended up being like, okay, I want to be in Kentucky. So I cut off Notre Dame. I was like, this is a great school. But after like kind of like reviewing like my uh, priorities a little bit, I was like, I want to be Kentucky. And they're like close enough to my family, uh, even but just a little bit away, but close enough that like I can possibly go visit. Uh, yeah, then, how far away from home? Two hours. Many hour? Oh, nice. Two hours. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a good easy. distance. Yeah, it was easy. Um, and so, honestly, the thing between Campbellsville and Lindsey Wilson was just the coaches. Uh, I really liked the coach at Lindsey Wilson. He had like, he's like an old dude from Wisconsin. You know, he had a lot of like moxie. Like a, he was just very like I don't know. He was a tough dude, and I I love that. You know, uh, yeah. so. Ended up going to Lindsey Wilson. They were like, we're going to give you a full ride, you know, because it's like an NAI school getting a Fargo All-American. They're like, hell yeah, like, let's, this this guy's going to be one of the stars. And so I was like, okay, then, you know, they, they appreciate me. And then, um, so yeah, that's basically why I ended up choosing the school I chose was money, um, you know, respect to, and the and closest did, to home. Did you know what you wanted to do uh, before you <laughs> went in? So I know, you know, something like, like Wisconsin, might be worth the investment where you get to wrestle and you get to go to, you know, a big name school like that. Yeah. Where depending on what you want to do, it could be a very good decision. Being being it, forty grand in debt coming out of Wisconsin might not be the worst thing in the world. Right. No, I didn't. And see that that was another thing. So it's like I was going to college for wrestling. So I again I didn't have like I wasn't like what I am now where I'm like I'm entrepreneurial, right? Like my mindset is like how can I like do something to build a brand or market myself later in the future. Mm-hmm. Back then, it maybe would have been an even better choice to be like, okay, I'm going to go to Penn State or Wisconsin. I might be in debt, but I'm going to try to market myself just with the name, you know. Uh, but back then, it was just like, nah. Like, it was, it was I want to wrestle, and I, I'm poor, and I don't want to go into any debt. And no one in my family had ever been to college. It's like, you know, you had, I had the basic nine-to-five family, you know what I mean? So they were just like, mm, are you going to pay for that? And I was like, nope, probably not. Uh, so I, I mean, honestly, I didn't know what I wanted to do when I go into college. Like, I was like, I want to wrestle. Mm-hmm. And I think most of – I think that's an issue, by the way, that, I mean, I've talked about all this time. But at the time, I was just like, I just want to wrestle. You know, I, I just want to wrestle, and I don't want to be in debt. So that's that. – And that's, you know, probably the quality that made you such a good wrestler. Is you really yeah. just had tunnel vision, and all you wanted to do was wrestle, wrestle, wrestle. Yeah, and you'll figure it out when when the time comes, which yeah. you clearly have. Yeah, and so you're come. You, you just finish your senior year, very successful college career. I'm I'm sure you had to be satisfied at this point. Yeah, um, couldn't have really done much more than you did. Did transfers ever play play a role? You know, transferring to a bigger school after you won your first or even your second yeah uh i got asked to i mean i got like i had a ton of people a ton of d1 schools like call out to me call out to my coach my coach was even trying to funny enough barry davis when i was still in school was he's really close friends with my coach coach ruff they're from wisconsin around the same age uh and barry was trying to get me to come over before he had retired from wisconsin they had connor medbury over there and everything but at the time uh to be honest I got into other things besides wrestling at my school. So I got into like the international student program and I started studying Japanese. So I studied Japanese for the four years I was there and I was in a really good like program to be surrounded, like a, an area where I could really grow, like grow, you know, and there wasn't much of a ceiling for like my hobbies outside of wrestling while I was at the school. So uh, I got really invested to the things outside of wrestling. And after I won my first national title, that's that's genuinely what kept me was like, oh, I have like all these other things that I that I do at Lindsay that if I go to a, a different school, I'm not going to be able to do while I'm there. Um, but I, yeah, I, I of course I would have liked to maybe had tried to wrestle at those places. But man, I'm happy I chose what I chose. Like I'm happy I chose to do what I did um, because I I gained a lot outside of the wrestling from it. Yeah. When did you know you wanted to be an entrepreneur and go attack this thing by yourself? I think it's it's very obvious that you're good at what you do and you coach all the time and love to do it. I, I think it. any anyone who is an online coach can yeah. see who's <laughs> really a coach in person and understands yeah. what's going to work with the level that I coach at. Um, you know, yeah. I, I, yeah. I don't want to get into that because there's no point. 
Yeah. All I want to say is that it's very clear that you coach athletes in person all the time. Dude, so much. Like, so I have, so I graduated college. I was like, dang it, what I'm going to do? I'm not going to go to Japan because COVID-19 was going on. I wasn't allowed to go to Japan. So I wanted to be an English teacher initially, like towards the end of my career, like my college career, I was like, okay, I'm going to be an English teacher in Japan. I'm studying Japanese. COVID happened, trashed that dream. I was like, oh, well, not going to do that. Uh, I'm going to try to coach in college. Try to do that. Did not enjoy it at all. So I went, uh, I came home and I started doing jujitsu. All right. So I started doing jujitsu. Um, and then my coach's name is Chewy. Jujitsu, really big entrepreneur in the jujitsu field. Yes. Huge name guy in the jujitsu area. Mm-hmm. And then he started to basically, so I was doing private lessons full time. I was almost doing 20, 30 private lessons a week uh, at the gym um, while also training jujitsu. And then he was like, dude, you could do this better. And I was like, well, what do you mean? He was like, you could make so much more money like versus like doing all these in-person like private lessons. He was like, you need to like find a way to like make income without, you know, like passive income. It's kind of a buzzword right now, but it yeah. genuinely was like, like there's ways to make passive income. And I kind of ignored it. And then I went to a B team, which is a really big name jujitsu place. And I met this guy named James Smith. The dude was, I mean, millions of followers on his Instagram and me and him rolled together every day. And then he just slowly, like every day was like telling me, like trying to teach me new things about being entrepreneurial. And the number one thing that stuck with me, and this is when it all started, was he was like, he's funny, he's English. So he was like, you know, you yeah. dumb, you, you, you dumb cunt. Like he called me a dumb cunt. Being funny. Yeah. He was like, you have great wrestling and you do jujitsu. You should start posting every day. And I was like, what? I, I hated the idea of posting every day on Instagram, <laughs> funny enough. Um, he was like, you need to start posting every day um, because you have, like, in a couple of years, you're going to have the ability to, like, make some money off of this, you know? And I was like, okay, you're right. I'll start doing that. And so <laughs> I left B-Team, and I was like, okay, this is weird. It's uncomfortable, but I'm going to start posting every day. Uh, this was before Reels got big, so I just started posting, like, pictures. So why'd you leave? why did you uh, leave there? I was just visiting. I was just visiting. Okay. So, yeah, Got so I, I was training full-time with Chewy, and I was saving up money, and I was like, oh, I want to go do a jiu-jitsu trip. So I was like, I'm going to go visit B-Team for a week and booked a ticket, visited B-Team for a week, came back home, continued to uh, go with Chewy. Um, and then, yeah, so I came home, started posting every single day. It was mostly picture posts and stuff because, uh, like I said, yeah. this was before Reels was a thing. And then Reels started to come up, and I was at a wrestling camp, uh, Belfry in, like, West Virginia, and uh, my girlfriend was there, and at the end of all my wrestling camps, so this was a five-day wrestling camp, uh, and so yeah. at the end of every wrestling camp, like the last session, what I'll do is I'll review everything we went over. So I, I write down everything. So I I don't know how other people do wrestling camps, but I write <laughs> down everything that I'm going to do for the whole camp. I'm, I'm very, like, that's just how I am. And then at the very end, I was like, huh, hey, uh, Katie, my girlfriend, I asked her to record, because I was like, all right, guys, we're going to review all the techniques real quick, and then we're going to get into, like, some live. And I asked Katie to record it, and she, it was like 30 minutes of review. And then I was like, huh, reels are really big right now. I'm going to start to clip these. So it's like, okay, I'm just going to clip these, throw them on Instagram. Clip these, throw them on Instagram. So I had a, I had about 30 days worth of reels on there. And then, like, after those 30 days of posting were over, like, some of them went viral. And then some, like, and I had, like, there was one, like, week where I gained, like, 20,000 followers, like, <laughs> towards the end. And I was like, I was like... <laughs> Oh crap, like these reels, like, and I wasn't showing anything fancy, it was just showing basic stuff and just being myself. Like, I wasn't trying to, like, be like a, a influencer. I was literally just yeah. showing kids that are caught, like, a high school wrestling camp, like, basic stuff and posting it every day. And then just, I went from having, like, yeah, I went from, like, having, like, 7,000 followers to having, like, 27,000 followers in, like, a month. And then I was like, yeah. whoa, this is weird. <laughs> like, what the heck? Like, I don't know what this means. Like, what, can, can I do something with this? Um, and then, so, yeah, I, I did that. I continued to do the private lessons in the camps. Um, and then eventually just worked my way up to uh, learning how to use Kajabi, where I built my own website and started my own instructionals. Um, and now, basically, the majority, like, basically, like, my career, like, I make plenty of money, is from Kajabi and instructionals. And then I do privates on the side. Uh, I because of like the instructionals and stuff and because of Instagram, I was able to like, I tripled the prices of my private lessons and my camps are a lot more expensive now too. Uh, but now that's where I am now 
just sell instructionals as I'm sure you see me spam them every day and then yeah. uh do have a email list so basically use my email list to, you know sell every personality day. yep every single day I do my I email see list every day yeah <laughs> and uh yeah and then I the private lessons I do are they're so fun it's it's great because before I was taking anybody me and Chewie were just talking about it, I would take anybody you never wrestled before good you <laughs> suck good now I'm just like you have to have two years of wrestling experience. You got to pay me seventy five dollars. You get one hour, not an hour and a half. Like you, it's and it's great because I get really good. I get I make way more money from the like my side hustle, which is private lessons, than I did when I was doing twenty to thirty private lessons a week. So I could do like I can do like seven private lessons and make the same amount of money, if not more, than I was making for twenty. You know, uh, just because of the as you know, like the power of the freaking Instagram stuff now. Uh, but yeah. that's basically. I know I I ranted a bit, but that's basically no, uh, where no, I got not to. Not at all. Let me uh, I let me see if I could. One second. Mm. This might. All right, never mind. Cool. All right. Yeah, that's. I, I love it all. It's like yeah. I got started just from. I figured I knew a little bit more than my friends, mm. and if I posted on Instagram, I could help some people out because mm. I was really into this, and people who are less into it. I could just help them out. And then yeah. it turned into, you know, more of what it is now. Yeah. But but like you said, it, it starts from I was coaching in person. I got results in person. I live this stuff. I love this stuff. Mm. And I'm just going to document and put some on Instagram. Yeah. It's, it's basic. It's real. And it's helpful. Yeah. It's nothing crazy. You're not putting on a personality. You're being yourself. Mm. And... That is at least what I found has been the most helpful thing for other people. It's yeah. truly actionable items that work, and you know they work because you do them all the time. Yep. I don't know about you, but a lot of my posts, we will just from conversations in the weight room. They're just conversations in the weight room that I'm, you know, that athletes give me questions on or whatever it is. I'll write it down and I will put a camera up and I'll talk in front of the camera. And then yeah. I upload on Instagram and that's it. Yeah, that's that's the same. I mean, my emails are literally like like uh, Chewy, Chewy had a great point and uh, James too. It's like everything is content, right? So like I'll get asked the same questions a million times. I mean, a, as you know, like there's going to be a hunt. There's probably going to be 100 people at least in this year who, who are going to message you and say, hey, what's the best, best way to bench press for wrestling or jujitsu? Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. like, it's a simple question, right? I get asked the same damn questions every day. What's the best <laughs> takedown for wrestling? What's the best takedown for MMA? What's the best? And you're like, boom, this is content, you know? Or like, what's for me? Like, my content is supposed to be how can I give value by answering a question, like solving a problem, you know? Like that's how you that's how you monetize the stuff is you don't like you you solve a problem. Like your 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 content should be solving a problem. Your email should be solving a problem. Your products should be solving a problem. Um, versus just giving unsolicited advice, which it's it's weird to it's weird to kind of balance it because uh, anyone who who doesn't do this stuff is gonna be like you're a douchebag. You post all the time. You think you know everything, but realistically, <laughs> like um, most of my stuff is just like you said. It's from conversations or from DMs or or even just random thoughts in my head. Like the the other day, funny enough, I was like, dang, I have really bad knees now. You know, not horrible. You know, I can still shoot and stuff, but it's like uh. I had a bad strength and conditioning coach in high school, you know, so I was not doing things right. Or I was, you know, doing crazy, like I was doing like a million sprints and not running shoes, not warming up, not doing that. And it's like, oh, how can you, I was like, you know what? I know someone's going to ask this question. So I was like, what takedowns are really good for people with bad knees? And then I created a product on it. I created a whole product on takedowns for people with bad knees. The product does great. And you're like, I have bad knees. I know my takedowns work this this is the, this product the, what problem is it solving it's solving the problem of people like me or people who are older who don't have great knees and now they want they still want to do takedowns and okay here's this product and oh okay i just made a product on that how about i make an email telling a story about a time that i used this takedown with bad knees and at the end of that email i plug hey here's a product if you want to learn how to do this and then on instagram i can talk about that too and then it's like uh it's this content re- recycling of content that uh helps you monetize essentially and it's not just some bs i see like people wanting to see backflips out of you know single legs and stuff and i'm like 
You're not going to get that from me, bro. You know, go to yeah. Alex Channel for that. I think, so two things on that. The, the first thing is that, one, you clearly have the knowledge ex- and experience of, you know, being real. Right? Mm-hmm. I trust you, your story, your personality, the things you say. It's so obvious that you do this stuff, live this stuff, love this stuff. Mm-hmm. And so you have this problem yourself. But you have this problem with such a background and a view that nobody else can really have. Yeah. Boom. It's it's very real, and now you're solving problems legit. It's yeah. not like an outside view. If I had yeah. bad knees, what would I do? And you try to make some stuff yeah. up that might not work. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot like of that, that, by the way. There's a lot of, of that. Of course. You know. And then the second thing that you said that I love is the type of content you produce is not to get it's not in a direct way to get followers it's more of a way to help your followers and if more people want that then you'll get more followers it's not like you're trying to go viral off this stuff you're trying to help people and then if you find that helps people then you'll get more followers and that's fine Mm -hmm. but it's more like i'm gonna help people solve problems and then people like their problems solved so they'll come to me it, yeah. You're not trying to go viral. It's it's a completely different way because my kids ask me that, stuff like that all the time. It's like, of course, there's reasons to make content that will reach more people. Sure. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to make, like, reaction videos as much mm-hmm. because that's what I see as more of an influencer content. If I I'm trying to get to 150K followers and, you know, and, and get, I guess, supplement ads i really don't even know honestly yeah but it's just it's not really even a thought for me i just want to help people the same way that i do in person and mm-hmm. somehow give that give that same view online and it sounds yeah. like you, you think the same exact way yeah yeah uh, of course it's like uh again i always talk about chewy because he's, he's my mentor especially in all this stuff it's like via like virality is it's very it's it's futile basically it's like so think about this you can have a guy who posts a viral video let's say this viral video let's exaggerate gets a a million likes okay Mm -hmm. but you can click on this guy's page and you see he has ten thousand followers you look at all his other posts all none of his other posts have engagement but maybe every once in a while he'll get like one video that's viral okay was that video but did that video really produce value okay so let's say most of the time the answer is no okay so that video didn't produce value, all right, that person doesn't actually care about you. They thought the video was kind of entertaining, but they forgot about you. Now, let's say it's like a video like me, mine, yours, Chewy's. I can give you a simple thing like, hey, keep your head up on a single leg. That's the whole video. Okay, maybe it doesn't get a million likes. Maybe it gets a thousand likes, but maybe they see like, hey, he has an email list. He helped me out. Maybe I want to learn more from this guy. Okay, I like this guy. Oh, tomorrow he posts, okay, here's how I do an ankle pick better. Oh, then he posted like good stuff about here's how you sprawl. Oh man, like this guy's actually like helping me. Like this is like real actionable stuff. I really like this guy. And now a year later, this person's still following you. They haven't bought anything yet. They still like your stuff. Two years later, this person's still following you. And they're like, you know, I've made a little bit of money. Let me, I like this guy. Let me help him out. Let me buy his product. Like, so it's like, this is long-term thinking versus the short-term viral thinking. It's like, how can I build relationships with people and make them like allow them to trust me or get them to trust me so that hopefully and eventually not only am I giving value to them, but eventually they reciprocate and they give value to me. And it's like, that's why virality is dead. Like, vi- like trying to just be viral is, is actually not that good of a thing because no one's going to remember you. They'll remember how you help them, not how you entertain them, you know? So it's, that's the way I look at my content. So, yeah. 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 That's, so. That- it's very true. Like it, if you can, if you can truly put out content that someone will connect with and do, and you know, save it, go and do it, and be like, oh wow, then you'll then you'll gain trust. Yeah, and boom, and, and trust to me is is so important because obviously nobody really knows each other. Yeah, and, yeah, they they don't like you might show like obviously, and, and this is like the preface of what I just said. There's a bit of infotainment that comes with it meaning you do need to be entertaining but Mm -hmm. you can't lean too hard into the entertainment or into the information it's like creating this little bit of balance of it's uh it's like you know you're feeding ducks a little piece of bread you're not going to give them like the whole loaf right you give them a little (laughs) bit and they keep they keep following you you give them a little bit they keep following you 
eventually that duck is yours. Like that's it's a funny way to look at it, but that's that's how it is. It's like there's it's the the infotainment thing, but my issue with I'm not saying any names, but my issue with some people is it's a little bit too much entertainment and they think maybe they're they're giving out good content because they have a ton of followers or they have like a little virality and you're like, Oh man, this isn't gonna last very long. You know, they, like what mm-hmm. you're doing is it's not sustainable, okay? Uh, but yeah, sorry again. No, no, I, I couldn't agree more. I think every industry, you know, we're pretty close in what we do. It's been, mm-hmm. and you know, I see the same thing all the time. And it's so easy to get caught up in that stuff from, you know, you watch a video and from a coach's standpoint, it's like, wow, I can't believe anybody liked that. Yeah. And <laughs> you're like, oh, wow, I, you know, I need to start putting videos out like that or change yeah. my whole game. And it's like, no way. Stick to no. what you know. Stick to what you do, what you live, what you love. And, yeah. and you know, it, it, it'll keep going. Yeah, of course. I literally, it's funny enough, I tell my uh, the, the parents of the kids that I do private lessons with, I'm like, hey, I'm going to warn you. Uh, I'm never going to show a high crotch because I've never shot a high crotch in my life. And we're going to do a ton of drilling. You know, it's like a ton of basic college wrestling drills that every college probably follows where you're just drilling for an hour. And I'm showing very, very basic stuff. Past that, you may, you may never get past like that level with me. It's like I'll give you one thing, like a little nugget every day. But the focus will be mostly on drilling and become like building good habits with your drilling so that you can have good, you know, results in your matches uh whereas some people sell like i'm just going to show you a million techniques and you're like that's not me like i don't sell that every if i have the same little message that i copy and paste to every parent who messages me and basically that's this private 75 dollars. you need a partner and there's gonna be a lot of drilling and it's like you may not learn a million techniques from me but you're gonna learn how to drill properly and i'm gonna help you build good habits but it's it's real like i, I sell real stuff that works well and that's also the fun, getting back to what you originally said, where as you build, a, as you start to build your business and build your following and a lot of people trust you and you're, you're higher value now, you get to do things the way you want to do them. And when mm-hmm. you do things the way you want to do them, you get better results. And yes. that starts to flywheel in itself because yeah. now you're doing the right things, you're getting the good results. And that only builds and builds and builds. Mm-hmm. Where I <clears throat> did the same thing originally where um, you know, my workouts would be catered to what the athlete wanted sometimes in the short term. Mm-hmm. But now, it, it again, it gets more and more of I have my model, my system, my plan. Let's stick to it because of what you originally told me your goals were. And, yes. again, get better results, build more trust, more people follow in, yep. and then we just repeat. Yeah, so. and it can it can definitely be boring too. Like that's the yeah. that's the sad truth. But uh, good pe- like good kids and supportive parents will be okay with boring uh, versus something new every day. Like I had a kid, my first state champ. He won state last week, and mm-hmm. this kid, almost two years of doing privates with me, so, like he was okay when we first started, not great. But then like after two years, his dad is awesome. Like. Uh, that professional bodybuilder, et cetera, et cetera. But this kid, every day yeah. for two years, or every every session, we've done about one or two sessions a week. Every session, we basically do the same drills, like almost yeah. exactly the same drills, plus a little bit of technique. But we did that for two years, and he went from not placing at state to being a state champion. And you're like, yeah. it doesn't take that. Like, if you, if you do the boring stuff and you do the little things right, it does not take that long to get, get some success, you know, even though obviously – you know, like middle school, high school state is not a high level. It's like that applies to college too, you know, or even strength and conditioning, right? It's it's all the same. But lots of people are just like, why are you not showing my son how to do a splatal? And I'm like, because it's stupid. Like anyone can teach them how to do a splatal. Like yeah. I want to make, I want to teach them how to be actually good wrestlers when like, and I want to teach them how to train when they're not with me. Like I want them to be able to go to their high school practice and say, and like when they're drilling, be like, this is how I, I need to drill how I was drilling with coach, you know, coach Reed. Um, while these other kids are slacking off and drilling like turds, I, I want to drill like a savage. You know, I'm like, here are the habits I want to have when I'm drilling. Because Coach Reed said, you know, this. You know, uh, and I'm like, I, I say I'm not the best wrestler ever. I'm, I'm an NAI wrestler. You know, I'm not. No, I'm not a Division One national champion. I know that, but I also know that like I understand how to make good wrestler. Like I know how to do good wrestling, and you know, um, create like a, a a system or a program where wrestlers can get good, even if. They are division one wrestlers, you know. So, 
Yeah, another rant. Sorry. I, no, I, I love it. That's one of my biggest things. And, and you know, as like social media and Instagram go on, you get caught up in different trends or whatever it is. But the thing I'm always big on is I never want to be that guy that you look at and just say, oh, he's got cool workouts or he's yeah. got cool exercises. Yeah. Because that's it's like it's like cool wrestling moves. Yeah, it that's not what getting good is. No, it's how I always said the best wrestling coaches will benefit the most from those wrestling move guys. They'll look at mm. a wrestling move and they'll see a small variation, a small tweak where mm. it fits into their big model, their plan, where they might be able to use it or an athlete that they have. Same thing with exercises. The people, they get so many views, but the only people that truly benefit the most from them are the coaches that fully understand where can I put this into my model? What does this look like to me? And how can I use this? Mm -hmm. It's not just like copy paste. I'm automatically good. Yeah. Like that just never. (laughs) So I, I get so fired up too, because it's like cool workouts, cool exercises, cool wrestling moves. Mm. Everyone knows that that stuff doesn't get you to dance, you know, It, it doesn't, there's a lot of nuance and people don't understand that. And it's like, uh, it's even the same stuff that I, man, this is why it's like, it's all, it's healthy not to look at comments too much, but sometimes I'm just like, man, like F you, like, it's like, yeah. like, well, why didn't you do it like this? Or why didn't you do it like that? And I'm like, dude, bro, I'm a lot better than you at wrestling. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, like, I'm sorry I didn't do a freaking broomstick instead of doing a high angle go behind where I attack the ankle and then go behind. I know that's too basic for you and I know it's not cool, but guess what Gable <laughs> Stevenson won an Olympic championship with? A freaking high angle go behind at the very end. It's like, I don't do anything that doesn't work. It's like, you mm-hmm. guys want to see, like, fancy, cute things? You can go watch one of these crummy, crappy wrestling pages that literally will tell you that anything works and then show you a video of some really good kid doing it. But it's like, you know why Roman Bravo Young can do that crazy stuff he does? It's because he's <laughs> damn good at the basics. Like, he has the ability. He fakes good. He hand fights well. He he threatens people with basics, and so now he can actually do these cool things. But then you get some really crappy kid. And you're like, I don't want this crappy kid doing front flips over people. I actually want him to hand fight hard, get good at a one-two, like a fake and a shot. And I want him to do that for a couple of years. And then maybe once he actually develops good habits everywhere, he can start to open up and do the, the fancier things. But uh, most most people don't know. We, I, I call those people, uh, again, my coach, we call those people crabs in a bucket. They like they just want to bring people down, but they don't understand like, what works works, you know, and it's it's not the the fancy stuff you see on Instagram or YouTube. Yeah, definitely, it's it it's definitely hard to uh, to stay on track sometimes. Yeah, and follow the model, follow the plan. Yeah, because man, <laughs> it's like it 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 drives me nuts. It does, but, and I, I'm sure you struggle with it too, or at least I I used to struggle with it. Uh, me and my girlfriend, like I used to not be a confident coach so like i would uh like two years ago when i first started doing private lessons i used to like really really feed into the athlete i'd be like what do you want to do today little bobby but it's like bump little bobby he's stupid he don't know what he wants to do he don't know what he needs to do like i love the kid but these kids are not good at wrestling and their parents are not good at wrestling and even if they are they are still kids or their parents are still like here like there's a system that works like we need to put them through the correct system and it's like it's not fun and it's not i've lost clients because of this where they're like oh you guys just drill so much like why isn't there an hour of live wrestling why aren't we doing more live wrestling like how come you're doing this tech you've done this double leg every you've done a post double leg every single week like why are you doing the same and i'm like like hey man like you don't have to be here you know like this isn't a this isn't free. You know, you pay for this. Like, you don't have, like, if you don't want to be here, it's it, it's cool. But it's, like, long-term, it's very important to find a strength and conditioning coach or a wrestling coach or a track coach or a basketball like, A coach that, like, really cares about your kid getting good uh, and not about just making your kid happy or making the parent happy. Because, like, like I said, when I first started, I did not know. I, I was not confident enough to be, like, no, sorry, pause. Like, this is my work. Like, this is my system. This is my workout. This is how we're going to do this. And, hey, like, I actually plan on us getting good over two years, not two weeks. You know, I'm not going to teach you a million things in two weeks, which a lot of parents who are very uninformed uh, do not know that that's, that that's actually a bad way to go about it is, like, learning too much technique. 
Um, but again, it's like a, I, I could rant about that stuff all day. Me too. And, and especially two things right now. Uh, I get that all the time or I'll get that in January and we got States in February. It's like, yeah. this is the time where strength and conditioning looks the most boring <laughs> and it looks like anybody can do it. And it's, it's like we do the most basic stuff and it's mm. so little and it's really not exciting at all. It's That's not. a month before, but when you zoom out and you see what all 12 months look like, you're like, oh, mm. that makes perfect sense. And yeah. that's what has to happen. Like you said, mm. you have to zoom out to the full plan. All right, yeah. does this make sense? Cool. Stick with it now. Yeah. And that's uh, that's the game. Um, and I know you have to go in a second. Mm. The last thing I want to touch on, I- I'm interested to hear this from you. Cool. Did you ever struggle with pricing, charging money, and all of that? Because I know, you know your background and something for me is like when I was in high school, I had a job and I worked and I always tried to pay where I could. So mm-hmm. I, it's just an interesting dynamic because I know the amount of work and time and money that I've spent on seminars, traveling, coaches, mm-hmm. just just dirty work that I put in. Yeah. And it's like it, it's it. But at the same time, I never want to not be able to help somebody and I'll yeah. never not help a, a ninth grader who has knee pain because, you know, yeah. that's just impossible to pay. So it's yeah. a very, it's a tough dynamic and I want to get your take on it. Yeah, of, of course. Yeah. So, uh, again, like I'm going to go back to like my mentor Chewy, you know, and, uh, he has a, when he opens up his phone, uh, he clicks it. There's a number on the back of the phone that says five one one. And I was like, well, what does that mean? He was like, that's what my time is worth. That's what one hour of my time is worth. I was like, what the, like, what the heck? Like $511. It was like, yeah. And I was like, well, like, why? He was like, well, I'm a black belt. I've been a black belt for 10 years. So I've done, I've grappled for over 25 years. Uh, I've won a bunch of really tough stuff. I've coached for about 15 years. Yeah. Yeah. 511 for 15 years. You know, that's not a lot. It was like, right. 511. And I'm like, okay, that makes a lot of sense. Because at first, I, like I said, when I first started doing private lessons, I'd be like, all right, guys. It's $35 for an hour and a half. Now my lessons are one hour for $75. So like the thing, the contrast here is like $35 for an hour and a half. And you don't even have to have a partner. Matter of fact, I'll wrestle with you. This was me at the beginning. And I, I learned real quick. And Chewy told me before I started doing these privates, he said, you are undervaluing yourself a lot. And I'm like, man, I'm just an AI wrestler. You know, like most people don't even know who I am. And he was like, right. Brandon, he was like, that's so stupid. And I was like, like, bump away like go away Chewy. and so i did these 35 dollars an hour privates and then i would be wrestling at these privates so this so including my like 10 times of training a week in jujitsu i might be doing four or five privates where i'm actually wrestling with the kids i was destroying my body and eventually enough became enough <laughs> like eventually it was like nope uh and then i was like okay i'm gonna raise my prices from 35 to 50 an hour oh okay like some people left but then some parents stayed like they're like cool all right, then I started the Instagram stuff started to go up, like I said, and I started to come out with products, and I was like, oh damn, like I'm making a couple thousand dollars a month off of these products. Let me, let me raise my prices up a little bit, and then it went to like fifty five or sixty, and I was like, and then again, some parents like so some parents stuck from thirty five to sixty, and then I was like, okay, I'm making a little bit more money from uh, products and instructionals. I actually don't want to do privates. I don't enjoy doing privates. And I was like, what does it cost? Like, what would it cost for me to enjoy doing privates? Like, and also, and I was like, what do I need to do? Like, how can I like, uh, you know, what compromise can I make with myself to where I still do privates and I enjoy them and I, I get that extra pocket money. And I was like, I don't want to work out with any kids. I want the kids to not suck. You know, I do not. And I mean, they could, they're all kids suck. Like they're all horrible at wrestling, but I love them. <laughs> But, like, I want them to have at least two years of wrestling, so I'm not teaching people how to do a sprawl, and $75 an hour, and I'm only doing an hour privates. And I was like, okay, if I can do those three things, I'll do private lessons. And I was like, all right, boom, I started doing that. So I, I still have 10 parents, meaning 10 kids, who almost, like, weekly or biweekly, who still who started at $35 an hour who stuck with me to this $75 an hour and then I guess I have I have a couple of kids who do it multiple times a week and it's like because 
And, and so what I realized, like at this point, this is my advi- advice for anyone else who's doing like this entrepreneurial stuff like this is like, there's a lot of people, if you give great value to their children or to them, um, they'll see that value. And then like when you, when it's time for you to raise your prices, which naturally you should, they'll be like, if they really care about what you're doing and they really like trust you, they're going to be like, you know what? I get that because most of those people have jobs and most of those people have family and most of those people pay taxes and they do all the adult stuff that we have to do. So their, their feelings are not going to be hurt when you raise your prices, you know, uh, like because of taxes, when I was paying, when I was, uh, charging 35 an hour, I was only getting 20 of that really because I, you know, entrepreneur. So it's like, now I make 75 and then maybe I only get 55 of that, but now it's like, Oh, I'm making 55, like real dollars an hour, uh, versus 20. I mean, it's a $35 like up and parents get that. Like they, like if you give true value and, and eventually like build some results and, uh, build a reputation, like people are going to, they're going to trust it. So you have to, you have to take the uncomfortable step and say, what compromise can I make to make me enjoy the thing that I'm doing, but also be fair pricing for myself and the parents. And and also who do I want to work with? That's like, what type of person do I want to work with? Like for me, I said, I do not want to work with anyone who hasn't wrestled for two, my, like less than two years. I feel like it's a waste of money for the parents. And I feel like it's a waste of time for me. And when I found that out, I'm like, now I'm at like, I have this, this happy, like, I'm happy when I do privates now. Like I, right. I, I genuinely enjoy it, you know? Uh, and you deliver a better product. You way put more better. time into your product. Yes. And, and again, it's the flywheel of really good product, really good results. More people yep. are willing to be there and give you the attention that you deserve. Yes, exactly. But yeah, no long, another long winded answer, but that's for any of my uh, entrepreneurial I, wrestling coaches or whatever coach you are. That's, that's the way I would go about it. Sweet. All right. <laughs> All right, Brandon. It was amazing having you on. I really, really appreciate it. Yeah, of Thank course. Thank you so much. Learned yeah. a ton from you, and, and we'll probably run this back again at some yeah. point. That was I'm awesome. D- I'm down, dude. All right, man. See you awesome. later.